everybody, and welcome back to That's Insane, a podcast where I talk about murder, medicine, and maybe more, but most definitely more because there's a lot of weird shit out there. My name is Aurelia, and I am your host, and today I have the start of a two-parter series. Now, I know that I took last week off, which was when I was supposed to post, supposed to supposed to post anyway this two-part but it wasn't totally finished and I didn't want to rush it and like half-ass it so I was like okay I'm gonna take the week to really perfect it so then it's like you know actually good for you guys and not just something I threw together to be on time so uh, this one is really cool I think but before we get into today's episode um, let's just kind of talk about some things that have happened recently in the world. So I don't know if everybody else saw, but the Innocence Project is taking on Scott Peterson's case. If you don't know, Scott Peterson is the man that was convicted of murdering his eight-month pregnant wife on Christmas. Um, And it's a really tragic and disgusting story. And I think it's a very um, risky stance to take for the Innocence Project because I've watched many a documentary about Scott Peterson. I did a brief um, clip of the Lacey and Scott Peterson story on my TikTok, and I plan to redo it with in length for the podcast, of course. <sighs> I mean, look, I don't think that they had a lot of hard evidence, but there's just no way absolute fucking hell that he did not do it, in my opinion. Um, So I'm very curious to see because I don't think the Innocence Project would have taken somebody on that they don't think is innocent or if they didn't think that they had um, a lot of like evidence to point that he is innocent. So there's that. And then this happened in like December, but I just found out about it. The Idaho murders, if you guys remember that happened like last Thanksgiving, where those three, I believe it was three college students were murdered in the middle of the night and it was just like super weird. They bulldozed the house, which again, I don't think that's bad to do, but it was literally only about a year and they haven't even done the trial yet. So like I find that really weird and very odd. I mean, Dahmer's apartment building was demolished, which I think is also kind of questionable because I'm pretty sure it was like a low income housing unit. So it also just displaced all of these people. But regardless, It didn't happen for quite a while, I think. So I just, it's just really weird and sketchy that it was already demolished. Those two things happened in true crime in the last two months, I guess. And then just, you know, side note, I don't know about y'all, but I love me some Megan Thee Stallion. Y'all, this drama, this tea, if you haven't seen it, which if you're on TikTok, there's really no way for you to avoid it. It is literally all over my For You page, but Nicki Minaj be losing her goddamn mind for real, for real. And I didn't even know they were really beefing until all of this came out. And uh, it's just, it is truly entertaining me. And I want to know what you guys think, what side you're on. And if you haven't listened to Hiss, definitely go listen to it because she came for everybody. She she uh, she replied all to that email. Let me t- just tell you. So any that's just my little my little thing because it has occupied the better half of my forty eight hours. So anyway, with that, why don't we go ahead and just get into the actual story or case or whatever you want to call it? As always, all of the sources are going to be in my show notes. So if you want to do a little digging of your own, you can certainly use those as jumping off points. There are quite a bit for this because I just kind of typed in bubonic plague and just 
hit open new tab, open new tab, open new tab for at least two Google pages. So lots and lots of info today. So this, um, I guess, trigger warning really, because we're going to talk about some nasty, gross stuff. Um, There is also some brief mention of, I guess it's not really brief, but there is some mention of anti-Semitism. So those are just some uh, things that are brought up in this case. So today, like I kind of mentioned with the Google search, we are going to start talking about the plague. Now, I did not know that there was more than one plague epidemic, and I briefly touch on the early ones, but there was another one in like the 1800s or something, like the 1600s and the 1800s, but I really didn't get into them because truly, I think that this is like nine pages long between the two parts, and I just figured that I had to cut it off somewhere. So, and I, and there, the blurbs on those ones weren't really that significant, I thought, so I don't know. Anyway, so let's just start by what is the plague? So the plague is an infectious disease that's caused by the bacteria Yersinia pestis. There's actually three different forms of the plague. So the first kind is the pneumonic plague, which is going to affect the lungs the most. The second is the bubonic plague, which affects the lymph nodes. And then the septicemic plague is spread... Oh, wait. (laughs) And the septicemic plague, which affects the blood and tissues. It's basically the septicemic plague is a consequence of the first two is what it sounds like. So the bubonic plague and the septicemic plague are spread by flea bites or handling infected animals, but the pneumonic plague is transmitted person to person through like air and droplets, kind of like any other respiratory virus. So in this day and age, there are usually only about 600 cases reported worldwide of the plague each year. Um, with only a 10% chance of death if it's treated appropriately. But it wasn't always this way. So let's really start to break down the plague, okay? So the pneumonic plague, we'll talk about them first. It's transmitted, like I said, from person to person by air and or water droplets. It can usually take about two to four days to show symptoms, but sometimes you start experiencing symptoms just within hours of exposure. And it causes like coughing, fever, shortness of breath, chest pain, headaches, weakness, and vomiting or spitting up blood. If it isn't treated relatively quickly um, or relatively rapidly after the symptoms start, death can happen in just one to six days and the mortality rate is almost always 100% if untreated. It's generally just treated with some antibiotics like streptomycin, gentamicin, tetracycline, or um, chloramphenicol. Fuck. Chloramphenicol. I've never actually had to say that one, but it is a, these are like heavy duty um, antibiotics. Tetracycline kind of like we have doxycycline but I have personally never have have never had to give streptomycin gentamicin or the chloramphenicol because chloramphenicol I really don't know because those are like the people that are literally knocking on death's doorstep um so early in treatment early treatment is of course important and generally recommended to start within 24 hours like I said to prevent death in the fall of 1924 there was an outbreak that occurred in LA which killed 30 people and this is the last time that we saw this type of plague in the U.S., but it does occur kind of frequently in other developing countries. So the septicemic plague is the one, um, the lymph, so the lymph nodes are part of the immune system. And you may notice that when you're sick, that you get enlarged lymph nodes like on your neck or groin. And that's 
part of the body's response to infection. The lymph system drains into the blood, which means that once the plague enters the bloodstream, it can pretty much go anywhere in the body. So in this type of plague, the bacterial endotoxins cause what's called dis, dis, oh my God, disseminated intravascular coagulation, which is also known as DIC. It's an extremely complicated process and a very serious complication of sepsis, which basically affects, and it, it basically affects how your blood clots. I remember having to attempt to learn this. It is, I even like did a little refresher and it is still so confusing. So basically it causes tiny clots in the body, which can cut off blood flow and cause necrosis, which is uh, cell death or tissue death. It can also cause bleeding in the skin and organs, which causes these red or black patches um, or red or black patchy rashes, as well as like coughing and vomiting up blood. If untreated, it's essentially fatal, but early treatment does bring the mortality to about four to 15%. So it's basically like the clotting factors, like we talked about with the Ryan White case, are affected and the body can't form clots, basically. It's not good. If this is happening, this it's not good. So then, of course, the bubonic plague, which is what everybody associates when they think of the plague, it's caused when a flea bites a human and contaminates the wound with the blood it regurgitates. There was like this whole pathophys that I didn't really include in here, but it's basically like the flea is infected and the bacteria does something in the flea's body, which causes it to like regurgitate when it bites somebody or something. And when it regurgitates, this is this is why I didn't include it because it's so gross. But I guess I'm about to talk about other gross things. But it basically vomits into the host's system. And then when that host dies, the bacteria and like the fleas and stuff move on to a different host. So that's like why it just continued to infect. Um, and also because it was like the 1300s and nobody knew anything about anything. So the bacteria, Yersinia pestis, can reproduce inside the cells. So even if phagocytosed, which is destroyed they can still survive. So once the bacteria is in the body, it can either enter the lymphatic system or it can enter the lymphatic system and cause lymphadenitis, which is swelling of the lymph nodes. Um, And these swollen lymph nodes form the characteristic buboes, which are associated with the disease. So autopsies um, evaluated the buboes and revealed that they're mostly hemorrhagic or necrotic, meaning they're either mostly filled with blood or dead tissue. And they're like these giant abscesses. Now the bubonic plague, like I said, can also cause secondary septicemic plague and then of course if the lungs end up becoming infected it can also become secondary pneumonic plague so it basically will ravage the entire body generally one way or the other so let's talk specifically about Yersinia pestis the bacteria was initially discovered by Alexander Yersin during a plague epidemic in Hong Kong in 1894 it circulates in animal reservoirs mostly in like rodents and is found on all continents except Australia Australia, which I think is fair considering Australia has literally anything and everything else that a nightmare is made of. So I think it's only fair that they get this kind of break. Um, It occurs in the Western US, especially in the Southwestern states like Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. It cycles naturally through wild rodents like rock squirrels, ground squirrels, prairie dogs, which are my favorite.
favorite. And uh, wood rats. So even though people associate rats with the plague, the rats were actually infected by the fleas. So more specifically, the fleas that were specific to rodents. So they were like brown rat fleas and black rat fleas or something. So human a human can become infected when they're bitten by a specific infected rodent flea, an infected rodent, or a regular flea that bit an infected rodent. And these outbreaks usually occur when the rodents die, which cause the fleas to seek a different source of blood. Domestic animals that contract the plague can pass it to their owners, and it generally cats are going to become more, like, become super ill and infect their humans when they cough. But outbreaks can occur in urban areas too, like areas with dense rat infestations. Like I said, the last urban outbreak of a rat-associated plague in the U.S. was in L.A. between 1924 and 1925. Humans can also acquire the plague by coming in contact with other contaminated fluids or tissues like when a hunter skins a rabbit essentially. So the diagnosis is made through lab testing since there's no like like all the symptoms are very non-specific and it's really difficult because as I mentioned most of these symptoms other than like the buboes and stuff it's very vague like it's just flu-like symptoms. Um, I mean obviously luckily it's not a huge issue in today's day and age um, but the diagnosis is made with all these lab tests that are like PCRs and yada yada and I just didn't feel like getting into it because I don't know I just didn't and this is my podcast so I can do what I want but it's 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 kind of like a clinical suspicion diagnosis but it's also confirmed um, through like pathology by looking for the bacteria and and certain PCR tests that they've developed so anyway I didn't know this but there is or was a vaccine against the plague the first plague vaccine was created in 1897 by bacteriologists Valdemar Hafkine. Waldemar Hafkine. He conducted a massive inoculation program in British India with an estimated 26 million vaccines being sent to Bombay between 1897 and 1925, which dropped the mortality of the plague by like 50 to 85 percent. Of course, the plague is relatively rare now, so routine vaccination isn't generally required. Um, and in fact, even with travel to areas with known plague cases, it's still not required to get these vaccines, especially if the travel is to the more urban urban areas where you're less likely to come in contact with those rodents and stuff like that. Um, the only recommended recommendations for the plague vaccine are for people who work in the field with Yersinia pestis, those in aerosol experiments with Yersinia, which I want to know what fucking, what, like, what are these aerosol experiments? Like, are they like spraying people with Yersinia? <laughs> I didn't understand what the fuck that meant. Um, and people in areas with zootic plague where preventing exposure is impossible. So like disaster areas and stuff like that. So like I briefly mentioned, there is antibiotic therapy for the plague that is highly affected if started in the first 24 hours. It's still pretty affected if started like a little outside, but obviously the longer you wait, the faster you decomp your decompensating which means that you can get the septicemic plague and sepsis and yada yada and die Um, but like I said the most common are the streptomycin the chloramphenicol and the tetracyclines and then the gentamicin as well so let's talk about the black death if you didn't know the plague is also referred to as the black death but it wasn't always known as the black death that's actually something that came around later so it's also known as pestilence and and the great mortality 
or just plain old plague. And it was a bubonic plague pandemic, which happened in Western Eurasia and North Africa between 1346 and 1353. The Black Death is the most fatal pandemic record in human history and um, killed, caused, killed about, God, I really am good at English. It is the most fatal pandemic record in human history and caused about 40 to 60 percent of Europe's population to die, which is like 20 to 50 million people. It also killed like 33 percent of the Middle Eastern population as well. Now, what you might not know is that the Black Death was actually the second plague pandemic. In the sixth century, there was also a plague pandemic. It started in 541 with the plague of Justinian, also called the early medieval pandemic and it continued all the way until like 750 or 767. It first started in Ethiopia and spread to Egypt before it spread west to Alexandria and east to Gaza, Jerusalem, and Antioch. This pandemic affected the Mediterranean basin most severely in Constantinople, but it did also infect the Near East and Northern Europe and potentially East Asia as well. So in the spring of 542, it reached its peak in Constantinople, killing 5,000 people per day in the city. The victims of the plague were too many to be buried, so they were stacked high in the city's churches and city wall towers because the Christian doctrine prevented any form of cremation. So obviously then they have these bodies just stacked up, which certainly probably didn't help the situation. And this pandemic is best known for its first outbreak and its last outbreak, which is crazy because when I was trying to get more information on the last outbreak, I really got nothing. But the the last outbreak, I think, happened in like the 1800s, and it was called the Plague of Naples. But everything I looked when I like said, when I typed that in, brought me to like the 1600s. So I don't really know. But anyway, in 541 to 549, the Justianic Plague, affected the Sasanian Empire and the Byzantine Empire severely, um, which is why it's called the Justinian Plague because he was the Byzantine emperor. This plague killed about a fifth of the imperial capital population and it spread to Roman, wait, and it spread to Rome in Egypt, okay, in 541, and then to the Mediterranean Sea through 544, and then continued through Northern Europe and the Arabian Peninsula until 549. Now, some historians believe this was the deadliest pandemic, killing about 15 to 100 million people through the two centuries, but some researchers and researchers and historians think that this is exaggerated. Um, food production was also, of course, disrupted during the plague, which led to an eight-year famine after its resolution, and the agri- agrarian system of the empire was restructured and then became the three-field feudal system, which we'll talk about more in the next episode. The origin of the Black Death, though, is is highly disputed um, like where the bacteria itself came from. There is genetic analysis that's pointing to the evolution occurring in the Tian Shan Mountains on the border of Kyrgyzstan and China 2,600 years ago. In 2000, I think it's 22... 
In 2022, the possible origin of the modern strands of Yersinia pestis DNA were found in human remains in three graves in Kyrgyzstan, which dated to 1338 and 1339. The siege of Kaffa in, I believe it's Crimea, Crimea, in 1346 is known to have been the first plague outbreak, which later spread throughout Europe. And evaluation of the bacteria that affects marmots in Kyrgyzstan were the closest ones to those that were found in the graves, suggesting that this is the location where the bacteria leapt from the animals to the humans. And that's where I'm going to stop for part one. Part two, we're going to get into the timeline. We're going to get into consequences of the plague. We're going to get into things that they did to treat the plague. We're going to go, we're going to go in. Um, so definitely tune in for that. And yeah, I'm just going to cut this one short because because there's nothing else to say um so as always make sure that you subscribe rate and review so that other people can find out about this podcast share this podcast don't be stingy um you can follow me on instagram at that's insane pod wait that's insane underscore pod i'm also on facebook at that's insane podcast and then i do tell some of these stories on my makeup tiktok under really may makeup if you wanted to watch those or just give me a follow for support um is that all i say i think so also tell me what you guys think of the audio quality i think i've kind of finally figured it out but sometimes i hear like these weird noises and i don't know if it's my recording system if it's my computer or what but let me know how it's sounding for you guys because i think it sounds so much better and um i'm super like super proud of myself so anyway oh i remember the other thing i say if you have any crazy medical cases weird shit or true crime cases that you want me to look into or any stories that you want to share with me make sure that you send an email to that's insane podcast at gmail.com but that's all i'm gonna leave you with and i will see you on thursday for part two until then bye Thank you.